0: to get started visit plushcare.com weightloss weight loss that's plushcare.com slash weight loss
1: hello and welcome to made by mama's the podcast i'm zoe and i'm georgia and we're here talking all things parenthood tips and tricks products we love and brands that we can't live without let's get into it
0: zoe how are you
1: Uh, um what's like a scary Halloween music like (laughs) gum (laughs) gum gum no no, it's fine I just I feel like everybody feels the same way is that it doesn't feel the same you know like I love Christmas I love this period and it's just tricky isn't it everyone's in their different tiers you know we're not sure what we can and can't do people are Mm -hmm. telling us off for like not abiding by the rules but no one's really sure what the rules are and it's just like it I, I think Every day's a bit of a drag at the minute. Um, yeah, not mean to, to sound like mean. a Moly Myrtle. Do you know what I mean?
0: <laughs> I know what you mean. Do you know what? Right um, like, round near where I live, everybody's making a real effort with like Christmas Aww. lights and all that kind of stuff. But I think it's like you know one of those, like right. Come on, we really need to get in the festive spirit. Like, come on, let's let's just throw everything at it. But nothing seems to be sticking. It's like, come on, put some more fairy lights up. That'll that'll do it. That that'll get yeah. us in the mood. But it doesn't.
1: And I, you know what? You're so right because it's kind of like that feeling. You know when you're. It's like enforced fun on New Year's Eve. Yes. No one, ever was like, we must have the best night ever. It's New Year's Eve, and then it's always a bit like, oh, it's wasn't as good as we thought down. it was. Yeah, yeah exactly. but I'm, you exactly. know what? I'm fine as long as we can see some family members, and yeah. um, you know, we're gonna get to see each other next week, which I'm really looking forward to. And just exactly. yeah,
0: things Actually, like, do you know that. what? You know what? I've got a bone to pick with you. Oh
1: no, I know what you're yeah. gonna say.
0: Oh. No, you, I don't think you do. Right. Have you turned off your voicemail? Because whoever is the person on the end of your phone when it rings what? out, it's really rude. <gasps> she goes, she goes. It used, I am sure, it used to be like, "Oh, hi, it's Zoe's phone," and that used to yeah. be your voice, so that was really nice. And then today, I phoned you, and it was literally like, "Sorry, no one's here. Bye." I was like, "Oh." oh Oh my god that is so weird someone hacked
1: someone hacked my phone are you sure you weren't phoning your mum or someone
0: (laughs) i don't know but i thought i'd tell you because i was not you know i'm used to hearing like oh hi it's zoe's phone yeah 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 It was this really grumpy woman going, bye, basically pissed off. Like, oh. That's my
1: internal um, <laughs> monologue that's going on at the minute. Is that where you're at? <laughs> yeah, that's where I'm at. Oh, I thought you were going to tell me because um, those of you that are listening that don't know, uh, it's called. we're calling it Bag Gate, but basically oh, yeah. and Georgia, and I, yeah. Georgia and I picked <laughs> two little new handbags and they both got sent to my address. And basically I've been wearing Georgia's because it's actually nicer. <laughs> She clocked it in a photo the other day and was like, what is this? I was like, um. Anyway, I'll give it back to okay. you next week.
0: Oh, I'm sure that, you know, What a secondhand bag. I <laughs> okay, no, I'm joking. I'm joking. It's always better when it's been worn in, isn't it? Exactly. Is that what you were doing?
1: <laughs> yeah, of course it was. Uh, this week's chat is so lovely because Georgia and I love to discuss food. We like yes, we to talk about recipes, Um, you know, my mistakes, George's. <laughs> flying successes and um this whole podcast is about nutrition and kids nutrition
0: yeah, it is. And it's really interesting as well, because I think there is quite a lot of things that we brought up, which we haven't discussed before. that mm. um, I mean, so many of us do. Like, for me, it's like Axel and his breakfast. It's one of those things I've just put yeah. to the back of my mind thinking, you know, I'll be fine. It'll be fine. And then the guests hit us with some scary stats. And now I'm thinking, mm, I should probably switch up that Nutella breakfast.
1: <laughs> yeah. And interesting that you say that, because another topic that we covered was, um, you know, letting your kids watch telly whilst eating and yeah. Charlotte's response to that because that is a bad habit that we've got into during lockdown you know they always used to sit at the breakfast art- breakfast bar for all of their meals and then suddenly yeah. I was just like you know when you just kind of need a bit of a break from them yeah. so you're like oh go in the playroom and watch it in front of the telly but um what she said about it was that actually children that sit in front of telly to, to eat their food either ha- have a habit of overeating or undereating because they're distracted and it was getting so much harder for me to feed kit so since the podcast yeah. 10 days ago they're now eating all of their meals up at Amazing. the breakfast bar and I'm having so much more success and I feel better.
0: If, yeah do you know what I've got something funny to tell you about the TV thing so um you guys will hear it obviously in the interview but I don't the kids don't watch the TV like when they're having dinner but this weekend Gigi was down with my mom and James was away because we were having building work done and on Saturday Axel and I had a lovely day no, like just yeah. the two of us like it was so nice we went to see Santa like it was just lovely you know when it just When it's just the two of you, I feel like it's so much easier. Of course it is. um, And then he was sitting watching TV when we got back. And I said, oh, do you want to sit and eat your pasta? Like, we're sitting next to each other and we'll watch TV and eat it. And he went to me, this is my favorite day of the year. And I was like, (laughs) oh, me too. Oh, I've had such a nice day as well. And he went eating and watching the tv <laughs> <laughs> So not that had, you know spent the last 24 hours we'd had a movie night we'd slept in the same bed we'd you know been to see santa no none of that no 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 the highlight of his year was watching the tv and eating a bowl of pasta
1: that's classic so, and that's just kids yeah. isn't it it's absolutely you can go yeah. to the ends of the earth but really they just want to sit down watch the lion king and eat a spag bowl
0: yeah. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Um, so come on then g let's get into the chat who are we talking to today
0: Today we have got Charlotte Sterling Reed who is a baby and child nutritionist.
1: So, today's guest, somebody who knows all about nutrition. Um, she has worked with Joe Wicks on his Wean in 15 book. She's a mum of two herself, a registered nutritionist um, and um, yeah, just an all-round legend basically when it comes to, you know, the right foods to be eating, what we should be feeding our children and coming up with some fantastic ideas to really mix things up. We all know how difficult it is to get it right. Today, we are chatting to Charlotte Sterling-Reed. Welcome! Yay! Hi. Thank you so much for a lovely and Thanks for having me on. <laughs> um, well, listen, welcome. It's really great to have you on. On, I think Georgia and I have been really kind of vocal about um the ups and downs the highs and lows of weaning our kids yeah, um yeah. so for people that kind of don't know about you what you're about and your sort of background can you just fill us in a little bit on your your work and what you do
2: Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, my name's Charlotte Sterling Reed, and I'm um I'm the baby and child nutritionist. And I guess my aim with everything that I do, and especially since working with Joe, my my profile on social media has has been boosted quite a lot. But my aim is really just to give parents. Confidence with feeding their children. So that's whether they are weaning age, whether they are, um, you know, older toddlers or whether they're teenagers. And it really is just about trying to offer parents that confidence. And I just think it's so important to um, support parents with this journey because, you know, often some people will say, oh, it's easy. Why do you need to, to tell people about what to feed their kids? But actually, There's so much confusion at the moment, and so for me, it's about trying to help parents to get it right, but also to help them to make it really simple and not make it overcomplicated.
0: Yeah, of course. So, what um, you know, what sort of do the majority of parents come to you asking? Like, what are they looking for? What sort of advice are they looking for?
2: Well, mainly, definitely around weaning, and the reason for that is because I love weaning. I talk about weaning all the time, so I have lots and lots of parents who will come to me and say how do I even start? You yeah. know, what food do I start with? Where do I begin? Um, then there's also the other side of things, which is the kind of fussy eating, which is inevitable part of feeding children in my experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know the fact that lots of children, uh, lots of parents will come and say, oh, my little one ate so, so well, and now they're not eating at all. Um, yeah. you know, what can I do, essentially? So that's the other side of the coin. And I deal with most of those kind of questions every single day without a (laughs) doubt um you know and I love talking about it and I love helping parents and with it and so that's what I try and do on my social platform and in all of the other work that I do
1: I'm so glad that you're kind of beating that drum because for me, uh, you know, mum of two, mum of three, I, I didn't wean Isla, but with the other two, I found it really difficult. I didn't think that there was enough information out there, and I also no. didn't think there was enough support because, to be Absolutely. honest with you, I'm not a foodie. I, I'm not that interested in food. I don't. I don't really know how to cook. I'd rather drink a, like a glass of wine and chat to somebody than like spend an hour in the kitchen being like, "Oh, look at this beautiful lasagna that I've just rustled up." It's like that's <laughs> it's not me, right? So if, when it <laughs> It came to weaning the kids. I was a bit like, yeah. "Oh shit! The five months yeah. part has come, and now what do I do?"
2: I, I, you know, do you know what's so 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 common? And um, you know, and I, the, I always say weaning comes at a time when you feel like you've nailed everything else. You know, you've got six months, you've got a routine going on. Baby might start to be a bit um, of a better sleeper, and then all of a sudden, boom! You're like. I've got to feed them food now. Where do I even start? What do I feed them? How much do I feed them? What time of day do I feed them? What about allergens? You know, there's just so many yep. questions. So I think a lot of parents who aren't necessarily natural foodies um, do have those questions, definitely. Um, yeah. And even parents who are foodies, you know, even parents who love their food, they still are going, okay, where do I start? Do I still give them my gourmet chicken with, you know, seasoning or what, you know? So I think yep. this end of the spectrum need a little bit of help. Yeah. So where do
0: you, you know, suggest starting? And do you suggest purees or do you suggest baby lead or a
2: mixture? What, you know, what advice do you give? So there's so much that you can read online and it is often so much misinformation and it just goes to make parents more confused. And, um, you know, I'm a big advocate of the, the concept of doing a best of both approach. Why do we need to say just purees or just baby led weaning when actually yeah. the world isn't black and white? The world isn't one or the other. Some kids take to purees brilliantly and other kids will go oh yes finger foods feeding myself i'm on that so there is no reason why we can't combine the two methods so that children are sometimes fed from the spoon but also given lots of opportunity to feed themselves and cut food and put it in their mouth by themselves. Um, Whereas, you know, if you go onto some of the kind of baby-led weaning groups, there's a lot of um, misinformation there as well where parents or people will say, if you do that, you'll confuse children. But there is no evidence for this whatsoever. And for years and years, we've been recommending kind of purees alongside finger foods. And for me, it's just a really nice, gentle, gradual approach. And it tends to work really well for children because then they can follow their own lead. Yeah.
1: Do children inherently not like certain food groups or tastes? Because this science bit really fascinates mm. me.
2: Well, yes, interesting you say that that's kind of the concept around why, uh, what I recommend when it comes to weaning. And um, children, babies are born with a preference for sweeter foods. And that makes sense because in nature, sweeter foods tend to be more nutrient rich. So if you think about fruits and veggies, sweeter fruits and veggies tend to be pretty nutrient rich and they also tend to be pretty safe foods. So children are born to like sweet, food, sweeter tastes. Um, they're actually a little bit wary of things like bitter, savoury, and some of those umami tastes. So actually yeah. what we need to do when we start feeding our babies is help them to learn that those tastes are okay. You know, we need to help encourage them to accept and become familiar with those very, very new tastes that they've never had before in order for them to like and accept them. Because breast milk and formula milk is quite sweet. Um okay.
1: So they readily
2: accept all those sweeter tastes. And if you give them some apple to start with, they're likely to gobble it up and really enjoy it. But that, you know, it doesn't necessarily work the same for broccoli. So it's it's more that they need to learn to accept foods that are savory, like broccoli, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting you say that because when I was weaning my first Axel, I like read the books um, and I sort of followed. Yeah. Well done, Jay. I followed a little bit of a plan, like, oh, introduce <laughs> this. But <laughs> a couple of like weeks in, I was thinking, they're basically telling me to mix everything with pear like yes, you know, mix yeah. potato with pear or give sweet potato or mix and it, it seemed like everything was really yeah. sweet mm. um and I guess that's is that why our children like sugar so much <laughs> well as
2: I said they're kind of born preferring sweeter food so it's not necessarily that and um, that causes it. It's just that that kind of reinforces that enjoyment and love and acceptance of sugar and sweetness. Um yeah. which is fine. But actually we really want children to explore much more of a variety of foods. And I have to say when I started and I trained in the NHS our weaning workshops, we would always talk about fruit and vegetables together. And we would say, you know, offer some apple puree is a good idea and pear puree. And it was only after a lot of research around offering vegetables first as, as part of the weaning journey that, we, you know, a lot of us started to change our advice. And it's not to say that fruit is bad or that fruit shouldn't be offered to children. It's just that actually trying to have more of a, um, say, encourage more of a savoury palate to start with, and help to accept more savoury foods later on. So right. it's not to say that sugar, the the, the sweet the, the sweet fruits will encourage um, only a liking for those, but actually it's just not allowing them to explore anything new. So you're right. There's so much out there where you know you kick off weaning with apple puree and pear puree and sweet potato and sweet carrots, you know. Mm. But there's so much more than just those tastes. And I'm a massive advocate of helping babies from the very first taste to explore new.
1: There is so much that I'm like bursting with questions here because this subject (laughs) I I find fascinating, absolutely fascinating um, because, you know, uh, Georgia was talking about, you know, her weaning journey with Axel. Georgia is a fantastic cook and actually she's nailed it. Like her kids eat, you know, when I see her on stories, they're like eating risotto with, you know, cherry tomatoes and like whatever else she's putting in it and I'm like Jesus Christ <laughs> like mine would launch it on the floor straight away and then dance oh. around it um so I think it's really interesting how some parents definitely have different journeys and actually there is quite a lot of anxiety around food which yeah which is a weird thing to say because you know mm. food is the most one of the most natural things that we can do Absolutely. but I think we feel the pressure as parents to try and get it right and there will always be another baby or another toddler or another five-year-old that's like consuming you know the risottos that that kind of make us think oh god well, they're having fish fingers again like it's a tr- yeah. it's a tricky journey isn't it and, and especially in those first sort of six months of weaning.
2: It's so tricky. Oh, my God, I love everything you just said there is exactly why I do what I do, everything that you said. First of all, yes, parents are always wanting to get it right. And although I kind of recommend, you know, certain you know, starting with vegetables and things like that, the thing that I always try and emphasize to the parents who follow me or who come on my webinars is, it, it you know, getting it right isn't an option necessarily necessarily. Feeding children is not going to be perfect. It's not linear. It's always going to have ups and downs and yeah. ups and drops. And mm-hmm. you can only do the best you can do. Um, you know, when it comes to feeding your children, I try and guide parents it with the advice that but- – it is really difficult because the comparisons, the, the focus on trying to be and uh, make it perfect is just yeah. too difficult for parents. And I always try and emphasise that's not that's not going to happen. It's not going to be perfect. But you know what? Try these, try this, and you know, uh, hopefully you'll you'll get there. So yeah, I I really really feel everything that you're saying right now.
1: And uh, what do you – thank you, Charlotte. Thank you, because I feel it too. But, like, I've got two amazing eaters and one child, that Kit, who just – he's basically written off two food groups, fruit and vegetables. He just will not touch them. And, in fact, ever since he was a baby – so I did a combination – Lead weaning. So I was doing yeah. the purees because I was a bit anxious about how much food he was getting in. And then I would do, you know, lovely like steamed broccoli, steamed carrots, all that on the, yeah, on the, lovely, you know, we're good yeah. eaters at home. We really are. Um, and yeah, he just, brilliant. from the word go, he just got the broccoli and he would just put it on the floor launch it on the floor carrots on the floor he just did I think he probably tried it once and then was like I'm not doing it and they say don't they you have to keep you know 10 times I think a child can say no and then on the 11th time they'll pick it up it's been like a 1 million and 11 times um Mm -hmm. and it's I have to hide vegetables in everything so Mm. is there going to be a point where he turns around and starts eating vegetables or is he never going to eat them charlotte
2: (laughs) (laughs) the ultimate question um to be honest it's very difficult to say most children um you know given the right kind of scenario and context but you know it sounds like you've done a lot of that already but given the right scenario context environment um will eventually start eating those vegetables and those foods right. at the other hand some won't Um, you know there are so so many adults who i see now who are like nope, don't eat any fruit and veg Nope, don't like it do you yeah. know what the human body is quite miraculous it really will cope and it will utilize as many of the nutrients from the foods that you give it that it can um so I, w- I would say try not to worry too much. Keep doing everything that you're doing, um, but you might find eventually he starts eating. And there might be another influence that comes into his life later on that encourages him to eat those vegetables. Um, you know, you just you just don't know. And there is this, you know part of it is genetic as well. There are some children who are kind of super tasters who will really taste those flavours and not like them. Um, and genetically, some children are more likely to be fussy than others as well. But everything you're doing sounds right. So you know, get the children involved, eat together. Um, but one really key thing that parents often don't pick up on is that kind of not putting the pressure on to eat it the more that we pressure children to try and eat it so the more you say come on just have that one bit of broccoli or maybe push a bit of their plate and say just eat this half or um, you know focus on them not eating it the more likely that will be to carry on so there probably are still things that you could do sometimes, with some children, they are stubborn and there is just nothing you can do and you cannot force them to eat. So you just have to make the most of the rest of their diet where you can.
0: It's really interesting that you say about putting the pressure on because um, we started eating all together as a family um, at the beginning of lockdown, so back in March, because we were both home at the same time and, you know, that's just how, you know, that's what we did. Um, And we found it really tense at the start because my husband Mm. would get frustrated with Axel my eldest taking too long to eat um Mm. and he'd be like come on come on hurry up hurry up hurry up and Axel went from being a really great eater to actually not really liking dinner time um Mm. and so we had to be very careful to kind of leave that out and just let him get on with it and we've come full circle again Brilliant. but we did but we did really notice that that pressure yeah. really did put him off his food yeah. um and yeah, it's it's a weird one, isn't it? Because I guess if someone's going to you, come on, come on, eat, 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 eat. You fit. That's the last thing you're going oh, to do. Like, oh god, it going be yeah.
1: awful. Go, yeah. yeah,
0: but we do it, don't we? Because yeah. we we want them. We want to get the goodness into them. So we're like, come on, come on, or yeah. like you'll trick them into eating. Like especially with babies, you'll be like, oh, you know, singing a song and then shoving the spoon in their mouth. Oh, <laughs> do you remember I
1: used to tickle? Do you remember I used to tickle Luna under the armpits? The most stressful thing. So she used to open her mouth and then I used to shove a spoon in her mouth. That's yeah, like honestly,
0: what sh-
1: all all is of wrong these with me.
0: <laughs> we all do it, like we all do it. And you know, was yeah. four years old, and at school, and I'm still like, "Come on, come on, eat your dinner, eat yeah. your dinner,
2: come on, hurry up." It's almost it's almost innate because I always say, you know, as parents, w- what we want is we want our children to eat, and we want them to eat this delicious food that we know is really good for them, and that we've just spent ages making. And so, as a parent, it's almost you almost have to fight your natural instincts when it comes to some of these things around feeding, because the the automatic reaction pressure them to get them to eat the food so that they've got that goodness but actually that honestly has can really have the opposite sometimes a really damaging effect on their eating behavior and and their Mm. kind of fussiness um so i you know it's so key to take that pressure off and that's one of the things that i would say i kind of spiel out all the time to parents but it's very very hard concept to actually do and get. um Mm. but yeah you know exactly what you just said yourself in their position. If you've got someone with a spoon at your mouth going, just eat up, just eat up. Come on, just try this last bit. Oh, Trying cool. to kind of force a spoon into your mouth or like you say, distracting you going, look over there and then shoves a spoon in your mouth. <laughs> you know, that you wouldn't like that. And you know, yes. if you've got someone standing over you at mealtime going, just eat that bit, eat that bit, eat that bit. Again, at a meal, you would not, you would not be wanting to eat it and you'd be reluctant to kind of come back to that meal place every time. Yeah. So I do always say to parents, take a step back, have a look at that mealtime environment. If it's a pressure cooker environment, your child is not going to want to be there and they're not going to
1: want to eat that food either. Yeah. So interesting that you say, everything you say, I'm like, I do that. I do that. Oh, God, I do that. And I think it's just, I just (laughs) want, I think if you've got one fussy eater... Kit has mm. had, had terrible problems with his reflux. Every, you know, I've spoken about it quite a lot. So for ages, he was on a metrazole and he was on Neocate, and he wouldn't eat anything that was any form. You know, the the acidity in his stomach was so bad, he was like foaming at the mm-hmm. mouth for a long, 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 long time. Um, so I think that inherently sort of stems from that period. I mean, he's he's very very healthy, and we we obviously managed to get the fruit and veg in his porridge and you know the spag bowls and things like that. But yeah, I guess I guess it's about like you said, it's about taking that step back, isn't it? And if they don't eat their food at what mm. point do you go oh, okay well, i'm just going to give him hummus and breadsticks for dinner like do i do, do we supplement food if for like favorite foods if they don't eat their dinners what do you think
2: so that's a really good question as well. And and it it on depends quite a lot on the context, like what's happening, what's being eaten during the rest of the day, what foods are being refused. Is it every single meal time? Like I would you know, there's so many questions that come with that. But ultimately, it's not ideal to offer an alternative. So if you've got your normal meal and you as a family are eating a meal and your little ones having something completely separate, that's just going to reinforce that behaviour and it's going to reinforce that it's okay for you to not eat these foods ever. So a better thing to do would be to try and Um, you know give them some foods on their plate that they will accept and they will like but try and always keep offering some of the the kind of rejected foods as well because you want to keep offering it so they continue to be familiar you know not making a fuss just just putting it putting it on their plate and if they don't eat it that's fine Um, and letting them know that that's fine but just constantly keeping it there and you mentioned about hiding foods now Hiding foods is okay as long as your your little ones are also exposed to the foods in their whole form too. So if you're making a bolognese and you're blending some lentils into the bolognese, for example, then, you know, trying to have some lentils on the side that are visible so that they always see them because seeing food can help with familiarity. And we know from research that being familiar with something is more likely to lead to an acceptance of it. So Whereas hiding foods in certain foods is okay, because as you said, you're kind of supplementing that meal with the nutrients that are needed, still try and make it visual. So, just to kind of answer your question properly, I, I would say don't offer an alternative. Don't just give up and go, OK, that's fine. It will just be breadsticks and hummus, you know, every evening. <laughs> um, buy and keep offering, you know, a variety. But, do you know, you can get in there some of those safe foods, in inverted commas, that you know they will eat so yes. that they're not going to bed hungry, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Do you know what? It's a bit of a running joke at the moment in our house. So every evening Axel gets back from school and it is only Monday to Friday that he does it. He's c- tired and he's cross and whatever. And I'll put dinner on the table and he go, I don't like that. And he hasn't yeah. even looked at it. Yeah, he, hasn't, yeah, yeah, he doesn't yeah. even know what it is. And now, I mean, it used to really wind me up. But now I just laugh. And then I look around and two minutes later, he's eating it and finishes. Yeah. It. It's so annoying. <laughs> it's, no, he's four. He's just started school. Okay. He's really tired. And, yeah. uh, you know, it's, yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. But so dinner time, we do all eat the same thing. And I'm it's great. And I'm really happy with it. But breakfast time is yeah. a whole different story. <laughs> oh, yeah, this <laughs> so is I good. Got, I've got. I eat boiled eggs in the morning. My husband eats mm-hmm. avocado on toast. Gigi mm-hmm. eats smoked salmon and avocado. No bread. Won't touch bread. She just licks, like licks, whatever toppings on the bread off.
2: And <laughs> oh, Axel,
0: and Axel has a croissant, Nutella, a Nutella bagel. Mm-hmm. Basically, such a sweet breakfast, right? Yeah. <laughs> Every morning, um, G.
1: No not every, not Even every morning.
0: morning. No, not every morning. He would, absolutely, if he was allowed to. He yeah, would. He if mm. I gave give him the choice, he would always go for like chocolate spread on a bagel or chocolate spread on a croissant. Um, sometimes yeah. he has porridge. He wants to put chocolate in it. Um, <laughs> of course uh, he does. It's the best. Uh, but he, yeah, he, uh, savoury breakfast, I really, really struggle with with him.
2: Yeah, Yeah. I mean, I don't think breakfast necessarily have to be completely savoury. Um, You know, I, I'm, i again, when it comes to breakfast time, I always try and encourage people to really vary it up right from the start because oh, you know it, it's so easy to get stuck on one breakfast. That it's like that's what you have every day Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. You know, so try and vary that breakfast up so that there's something different coming so that they don't always expect the same thing because then it can get a bit habitual. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, uh, there was some research recently done by Whole Earth that looked at breakfast and they actually found that, um, about 97% of, uh, of Proportion of children had 97% of their free sugar intakes in the morning just with their breakfast. That's That's like seven teaspoons of sugar basically just with their breakfast in the morning. and it is because of things like, you know, sugary spreads, sometimes sugary cereals, um, sometimes having, you know, a big glass of fruit juice with the meal. So all of these things can add up um, and, you know, and encourage kind of excess sugar intake in the morning, which isn't ideal when you're kind of sending them off to school and they've already had their full day's quota of free sugars. Yeah. Um yeah. So I I know it is really difficult, but I always try and encourage to vary those breakfasts up as much as you can. You know, one of my most popular um, breakfasts for babies is the carrot cake porridge, which is basically carrots. Oh, yes. And it works an absolute treat. But, you know, you're not necessarily going to get older children who are used to having a chocolate croissant for breakfast to eat that <laughs> um, <laughs> it is it is challenging and it sounds like all the rest of your family having really you know good varied breakfast like your your eggs your kind of salmon and your avocado on toast um it's just difficult in the morning isn't it because you you often have less time to, and patience to so yes, kind of exactly. do that role modeling and get everyone eating similar things
1: um so when you say variety in your breakfasts yeah. um you you might not know this, Kit's got an egg allergy, so that takes out egg for us. So he okay. has porridge or Weetabix. The girls yeah. will have like dippy soldiers, eggy bread, fruit. The, the girls I'm not even worried about. But how would yeah. I mix up? What would be more kind of breakfast ideas that would be good for, for, for people to hear?
2: So, so, so for example, yeah. you know, you could do some egg-free pancakes. Pancakes are always such a winner in my house. They're always like a Friday or Saturday treat um, when we're eating together. But And you can top pancakes with so many different things. So you can top pancakes with, like, mushrooms and um, tomatoes and spinach, or you can top them with, um, you know, frozen fruits with a dollop of yogurt, for example. But yep. So pancakes, um, any of the kind of cereals, that the low-sugar cereals, um, you know, like the wheat biscuit-type things um, – and I'm trying to think of what others now so Rice you know, Krispies <laughs> <And, laughs> Cocoa Pops firm favourite What are
1: Rice Krispies
2: are they bad for you? So they're, they're fairly high in salt but they're not I don't think they contain much sugar I haven't oh, looked yes. at the pack for ages because there have been quite a lot of changes made around breakfast series, and they often are now lower in sugar and in salt and um, I think they're medium in salt so they're not actually a bad option but what I would suggest is maybe adding stuff with them so no, for example have your exactly add, add a banana add a piece of fruit add something alongside them but yeah those cereals and porridge you can also change up what you're offering in the porridge you know yeah, i love yeah. to stir a t- tablespoon of peanut butter in or um sprinkle some chia seeds in for example um or you know, and and add a handful of berries or frozen fruits or nice. whatever you've kind of got lurking in your fridge, and um, you can vary the type of porridge you offer. Um, it is difficult, more difficult without eggs. But even like you said, avocado on to- smashed on toast yeah. as well—that's a brilliant option. Yeah, yeah. We'll be right back after the short break.
1: and now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. We all know how a Christmas carol begins, but you've never heard it like this. Marley was dead to begin with. Dead as a f-
0: doornail. Now, I don't know why, a door now, they've never had any life to begin with.
1: But bottom line, Marley is dead. A Christmas Carol, The Rude Retelling, read by Brian Harvey. Listen to the uncensored version, out now. Find it wherever you found this podcast, or go to podfollow.com slash scrooge. Buff humbug. So welcome back, uh, back to this episode of Made by Mamas. Where were we? It's, it's really hard to know, isn't it? It's, um, I, I, I really don't understand. I still don't really understand why there isn't more, more conversations around it and more kind of education for parents. Because I, I definitely, as we've said, I sit in that bracket. I do find it difficult to come up with original ideas because I reckon I'm quite yeah. a habitual eater. Georgia, are you?
0: um do you know what I like Zoe said like I love cooking so Mm. I do I don't really eat the same things like all of the time so I do switch it up but I do find it trickier with the kids like before Mm. kids James and I definitely had a lot of different dinners whereas now you sometimes think oh shall I make that and it's not going to go down well or shall I just make spaghetti bolognese? and then I usually think I'll just make spaghetti bolognese. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, so
2: it's going to go down well. Yeah. And you know what? You know, I don't want to put pressure on parents to make them feel like they have to vary everything all the time. And um, you know, it's not the case. And let's be honest, like life. We need to be realistic in life. We're not all going to be cooking a different meal every single day. But it's more just like making sure that your children are exposed to a variety, yeah. so they're always seeing a variety of different foods, because that can stop them kind of narrowing their food choices down to just those few certain meals or certain. Foods and um, But as I say, you know, life sometimes gets in the way. And um, it's not to say that every single mealtime, you need to be varying it up all the time. And to be honest, my son has porridge the majority of the time um, and especially since lockdown and where he was at home a lot more I was like porridge 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 (laughs) porridge Porridge again (laughs) yeah but but I do try and vary what I add to that porridge so that it is changed you know changed up a little bit but you know I'm a mum of two and I am I work you know most hours um and so I know that being realistic is also important and it's just about maybe kind of thinking ahead planning ahead um And definitely when you throw things like allergies into the mix, it makes it even more complicated. But actually, we're really Mm. lucky that in this day and age, there are so many dairy-free kind of recipes online and um, lots of advice. I work with Allergy UK as well. um, They have like an allergy weaning booklet, which has all these different recipes in as well, which basically have none of the allergens in them. And that's really fantastic too. So there's a lot of resources for you, but it just kind of takes that maybe that extra bit of time to go and look for them.
0: Yeah. Do you know, one um, thing I really struggle with is healthy, non-sugary snacks. Yes. And I, you know, I don't have, I don't have time to like make loads of snacks throughout the day and quite yeah, often I'll have you know some of those organic spas in my bag I mean I don't know how great they are I'm not I'm not sure I haven't really looked at the label um, mm. but you know those kind of things I always have to hand but I am aware mm. that like there's probably not that much flavor always mm. in them and I would quite
2: like some other ideas yes same yeah, I mean to be honest and um, snacks are always a challenge and you know if you can make those kind of muffins and flapjacks at home which are low sugar then brilliant and you can freeze them take them with you so that's what I sometimes do for my son but you know you do always need the other healthy options and you've already mentioned things like breadsticks and hummus which is a you know yeah. brilliant option that's always a really good kind of go-to choice um, but you know for people who do have it it depends if you're at home then things like a small uh, piece of toast with some beans on it might work or for example crackers oat cakes and spread with no added sugar peanut butter like the whole earth no added sugar peanut butter um, that they do um and you know like i say a few a few what i try and encourage people to think of when it comes to meal times is Think about um, meals as uh, sorry snacks as mini meals. So we want to try and include a carbohydrate, a fruit or vegetable, and ideally some kind of protein in that. Right. So right. just think about what you would normally offer in your meals and try and kind of put that into snacks. But definitely crackers, oatcakes, rice cakes with some stuff spread on top of them. And um, also a really really good option. Um, I'm trying to think now. I've got a whole Dog, which has about a hundred snacks
1: written in it. <laughs> oh, amazing. Um, so a teaspoon spoon of peanut butter expensive. is also really nice. Oh, yes. So, and I tell yeah. you what I used to do for my son when
2: he was really young is I used to take out with us a banana, and I used to take a banana and a little of peanut butter in a container, and I just used to mash it up, and that would kind of be his, like when he was really nice. young, that would be like our on-the-go meal for him. But, yeah, peanut butter and a, and a banana um, – I'm just trying to think now. My brain has gone completely blank. But oh, yeah, that's, Peter, great.
1: Brain, that's you know, great. That's great. So not um, a chocolate hobnob then. So you say <laughs> well, not. <laughs> <laughs> that's ideal for you.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love chocolate hobnobs. Oh, i so the so best. Good. Oh, so do I.
0: And so good obviously you know we want our kids to grow up with a really good relate to having a good relationship with food and I think sometimes I know I do I'm trying not to demonize foods Mm. so I'm trying not to be like oh don't don't have that chocolate bar it's not good for you why don't you have this instead yeah because I want I want you know I want Axel especially you know for he understands now I want him to know the foods that are good and kind of power his body, and they're like fuel. But I mm-hmm. equally don't want him to sort of think something's really bad because obviously something you you want something more that you can't have, don't you? So if yeah, I tell yeah, him you can't have yeah. sweets, he's just going to want them more. Yeah, absolutely. How do you
2: find that balance? It's re- it is tricky. I'm not going to lie; it's really tricky. I think one of the first things is to uh, inc- you know don't overly restrict so don't be like we're never having those foods you can never have them because then absolutely as you said you kind of put them on a pedestal and you make those like the undesirable sorry the desirable food that are unattainable yeah and so first of all um you know don't over restrict have them as part of their diet but just try and keep them irregular rather than like every week or every day they're having these certain foods in their diet yeah. Um, you can also talk to them about foods that they sometimes have more often and foods that they have less often. So just the same with everything else in life. You know, some things we do more often and some things we do less often. And it's the same with food. So rather than saying those foods are bad, you shouldn't be eating them, you can say, um, you know th- these are foods that we just have less often in our diet and yeah. these are foods like fruits and vegetables that we have more often in our diet um, and yeah. i quite like that concept it might sound vague but it's a really easy way of trying to help explain to them without saying those foods are bad and you shouldn't be eating them because they're not good for you which isn't ideal um, yeah. and you know these foods are good and you should be eating them and you know so often parents will say things like oh you can have your you can have your pudding um but you have to have eaten your broccoli you have to have eaten your brocc- I was just about to ask you that. I was like, "Can you can you
1: bribe your children with a sweet dessert if they finish their food?" Because I do it all the time, and it works. A treat,
2: but the, but the, thing, the, the thing is, yeah, it does work. A treat, but I tell you what, it no. also does. It puts foods on different hierarchies, oh, so right. it makes those those puddings and those sweet foods the desirable ones. Now, you know, don't get me wrong. Parents have been doing this for years and years, and lots of children haven't had any eating problems. But if you if you have got a child who's a bit more fussy, and you're constantly telling them you can't have this until you've eaten this, all it makes is that you know, that kind of meal more undesirable and it makes them want to eat it less. And it makes the food that they're going to have afterwards even more appealing to them. So you're just changing the hierarchy of food systems. So ideally, um, what I, and and it depends on the age of children, but you know, for my son still now, I often give him his fruit and his savoury food all on one plate. And I just let him eat whichever bits of it, you know, that come. And it is quite a difficult concept for lots of people to gather. kind of having the pudding alongside with the meal rather than after the meal um, and they certainly don't do it in nurseries and schools but it really can help with that kind of um not having foods as different and uh, you know they are going to enjoy you know sweeter foods more uh, quite mm-hmm. often than savory foods um, but it's just about not overemphasizing that one food is better or more desirable than the other That's it is so a really difficult concept to get used to because it's you know it's, it's kind of fighting what what's been going on in society forever and ever and ever but the trouble is we're living in a society now where those foods are so readily available you know the the sweets and chocolates and biscuits and sugary cereals, they're so readily available that they're becoming so easy to access and with children having more you know if we're encouraging children to desire them and want them even more we could end up with even more of a problem on our hands than we have at the moment so it's just about trying to you know Have a realistic take on it. Children to see all foods as quite equal and none are better than the others. Um, Just trying to, when you're at home, have your ratio of the kind of savoury, really healthful options higher than, than you would with your, you know, with the higher sugar options, for example. Right. So that interesting.
1: Makes sense. Yeah, it yeah, really does. Yes. It's so interesting, Charlotte. Somebody said something to me the other day that I, I actually haven't <clears throat> haven't started doing until recently. Actually, during lockdown, is that going to the supermarket with your kids can actually be quite um, educational for them. Um, letting them um, pick out the broccoli, like who can see the broccoli first? Um, letting them touch, mm. you know, a courgette. Who knows where the tangerines are? Stuff like that. I, I just didn't mm. do that. You know, I was like avoiding the supermarket with my kids because it was like, you know, <laughs> yes. some sort of horror <laughs> scene. Um, <laughs> um, but, um, if, if I just get Luna on her own and like, if, if I'm just going down with Kit or whatever, I do find it helps him because like the other day he licked an apple for the f- <laughs> for first yeah, time, to- no, not I in the supermarket, it. by the way, Did we'd actually bought it. it. Yeah. No, yeah. He, he was just like looking at, really Oh, this one, this pink lady. But at home, I'm and, like, the not. <laughs> <laughs> the him in Guildford. Don't go there. Don't eat any of the pink ladies. <laughs> um, <laughs> and like licked a banana <laughs> oh, yeah. when we were at home um, uh, out of the skin and so just are you just would- sending your son around the supermarket and licking all the food <laughs> <things. laughs> oh, fuck knows where I'm going with this question no but it, it I think it was <laughs> no, to do with it. the fact that we'd seen them and he would touched them and he's felt them and actually mm. he was he's starting to slowly like he put half a carrot baton in his mouth the other day and I was like oh, he's going to eat it and then he spat it out but at least he put it in his <laughs> mouth oh, like my it was a mess imm- this is it yes this is it this is familiar
2: this is you building familiarity with those foods and you know we said about that multiple exposures you know you said like one to ten and then to ten and voila it doesn't happen like that you know some children are a lot it takes a lot longer and a lot more exposures to those foods but this what you're doing is you're building his familiarity with them and you can do that in any way you can do that by reading a book by writing a shopping list by going to supermarket by getting them to look at food by getting them to play with it you know it doesn't have to be eating it that is perfect licking it popping it in his mouth brilliant and i would say encourage that as much as you can but you know getting there is always we've always known that getting kids involved in foods, and you know rather than just putting it on the table in front of them and being like right eat that get them involved in it whether they're growing it at school or whether they're going to supermarket and writing lists with you and you're sending them off to find them and learn about them it all helps so you what you're doing is brilliant absolutely carry that on yeah
1: okay,
0: good oh. you know it's just interesting what you said just there about getting them involved because mm. I also noticed recently again having a little bit more time at home we've been able to do it is serving things family style so like mm. you know it's all on the table and I don't dish their plates up so much um I do find that Axel will pick like different things that if I put them yeah. on his plate he would probably like not touch or just like you know disregard <laughs> Whereas if I put it in like little bowls on the table and he could like, for instance, like fajitas, right? We, we have fajitas. Yeah. I'll do like the chicken and the peppers and then sometimes I'll put mushrooms and different types of cheeses and yeah. sauces and whatever. Whereas if I just made that fajita up for him and put all the bits in it, he probably would be like, oh no, I'm not eating that. I don't want peppers. Whereas he if, to I, it if, mm. if he does it himself and it's like mm. his choice, he's much Absolutely. more into mm. it than if, yeah, like if I just served it to him.
2: And that's so normal, you know, that what's something I really do try and encourage, especially with families who've got a little fussy one is that kind of family buffet table. And I love it, you know, who doesn't love that, that style of eating, you know, it's like yeah. the Mediterranean style of eating where you just pop everything in the table and you allow people to help themselves. It encourages independence, and it takes the pressure off them. So it allows you to sit back, feed yourself, the other kids are feeding themselves, picking up the bits they want. It takes the pressure off, it allows them to explore a little bit more and have a bit more confidence with it. Also, it's encouraging them to, again, be familiar. They're seeing that food in front of them. They're visually seeing it. And, you know, rather than you deciding exactly what they're having and just popping it in front of them, you them some independence honestly it can make such a big difference and especially as I say if you don't then watch and hover and put pressure on them to eat if you just let them have what they want you'll find that after doing that a few times they will start to experiment a lot more so yeah family style dinners are brilliant and it's sometimes it's like the novelty of it isn't it yes exactly
0: yeah definitely
2: and that and that you know that's why I often say in the summer go out go and have picnics together you know eat together all the food in front of everyone and let them explore themselves because they are discovering their own independence and actually you know by constantly saying to you like you I I can't remember which one of you said that your son often goes I don't want to eat it before they've even seen it that's Mm. that's just then just pushing the boundaries just seeing what they can get away with but if you just ignore that kind of thing and you put the food in front of them and let them help themselves you will eventually just de- decide yeah okay I do like that really I'm just yeah. I'm just not gonna tell mom I do I'm just gonna <laughs> hope she'll see me eating it you know so and I love sometimes it. I do
0: sometimes I don't and I'm <sighs> yeah, like exactly. okay I go okay cool well I'll go hopefully it's
2: a day today that you do I yeah.
1: It. Yeah. 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 so good you. Yeah. Just hand them
2: over. The, the, just hand them the control and say that's okay. It's up to you. That's it's your choice. You know, you ultimately you decide what you're going to offer and what they eat. But you have to allow them to decide what actually is going to go in their mouth and and how much is going to go in their mouth of all of those foods. So I love it. Both these things: going to supermarket, getting them involved, family meals, family independent. These can help families so much. And um, so yeah, I love both these ideas. Well done, both of you. What?
1: <laughs> Well, I mean, I'm am about to fail again at this hurdle. But how do we feel about um, letting our children watch television whilst eating their supper in their playroom on their little table? So,
2: Is that um, okay or I not? Got, I got attacked once online for saying that this wasn't okay. Um, you know, again, in the context of everything, if your child's doing it every now and then, then it's not a problem, of course But if you're finding that you have to get them to, to watch the TV in order to get them to eat, which does happen a lot, it's really, really common, it's essentially a distraction technique. Yes. And first of all, it's you're using a distraction so that your child isn't actually ever becoming familiar with food or the concept of eating or the reasons why or whether they feel full or hungry, all of their brain is distracted from all of those really important things, because they are concentrating mm. on the television and what's on the TV. So you're not actually teaching them about eating or about social environment or about, um you know, what food tastes like, because none of that's going in. You know, they are literally just focusing on TV. So, ideally, <sighs> it's not a good idea to use tools to encourage, even like the aeroplane. They you open your mouth. Here comes an aeroplane. They're not ideal because they are essentially distraction techniques, which take away from the concept of food, and we want children to grow up to actually
1: accept and enjoy food for food sake, and um, if that makes sense I've really made a, I've really made a massive fuck up with this one actually if I'm honest and it's happened since lockdown we've got into this habit because they've got this playroom I'm hoping that any parent listening to this is going to go we do this cause it make me feel better but they um they just comment. they sit there and they have got a little table and they've got a little t- you know three little chairs and they just sit in there and it's like their own little space but I'm finding more and more and more that like Kit won't sit at his chair and he's rolling around on the yeah. floor and he hasn't touched his pasta and I'm like yeah. come on you need to sit back up and it's more of a battle we used to yeah, have absolutely. them sitting up at the breakfast bar or you know because it's quite sweet we've got Little Island and they used to sit there and now it's like oh they they want to sit in there and watch telly and I've just let them I need to stop it because mm. it's actually I do feel bad about it I don't think it's right it doesn't it's not sitting well with me yeah but
2: it, it, it seems really easy at the time and it's actually quite nice to do it every now and then isn't it just kind of yeah. let have yeah. a little tv meal and you know again a little picnic on the floor whatever works but and I, I do see that but you know if it's happening a lot of the time um it can detract from the food and as you said it ends up with you being like i want you to eat that food you know sit back yes. you need to finish that dinner because they're distracted so they're not bothering to eat their dinner because you know they're not thinking about hunger and fullness and all of the delicious food you've got in front of and they're thinking about what they're watching so it can encourage them to become a little bit more fussy do
1: you Georgia, know do you always do that? No, no. But,
0: <laughs> um, we used to. And I, do you know, that's what I was literally just going to jump in and say. So, in our old house, remember, though, we lived in a townhouse yeah. and yeah. the kitchen, we had a TV in the kitchen, and Axel used to sit and eat his dinner in there. And he used to watch the TV, right? And uh, he actually ate better. <laughs> he yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know if it was just an age thing or whatever but he he definitely was a less fussy eater then when he just sat watching the tv but as you say it's probably the
1: distraction so and he's just like shoveling it, it in and yeah you know, that's
2: the thing it's kind of mindless eating you know sometimes yeah. and again, it doesn't help them to realize like oh do you know what I feel full now or um you know, oh I, I'm hungry for more it's kind of mindless eating and actually there's been loads of research on adults and children looking at tv dinners and, and I can't remember what the percentage is now but they're there is um, the research does show that we do eat a quite a. Sub- amount more when we're eating in front of the dinner, the TV, than if we were just eating dinner without a television on. Oh, on, really? <gasps> so oh, no. Do you know
0: what is the, the, the only reason we don't have the TV on now is because we moved house and don't have a TV in the kitchen. Um, and not because we spoken to Charlotte. Not. And she told us, yeah. no. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, not going to put one in now. We were actually <laughs> going to have one put in, but I, I don't think we
2: will. I, I think but I'm it, just going to persevere. We okay. can encourage the over consumption and it also can encourage more fussy eating so and it just varies you know I'm not saying some parents might have children who eat perfectly with the food you know with the tv on and you know that's great and that's absolutely fine but in general it's not normally a recommended you know recommended to do so and again I don't want to shame or make any parents feel bad it's not what this is about and that is definitely not what I'm about um you know I know how tough parenting is um and you but it's just in terms of the long term often it can be you can be shooting your, you know shooting yeah. yourself into, is that right? we're gonna
1: change we're gonna change that tonight yeah. I'm gonna send you a photograph and we're gonna um, have them up <laughs> on the island I'm gonna do de- I'm determined um Brilliant. Charlotte is there anything else that you kind of want to say or because we've been chatting we any could any advice yeah, yeah any advice or anything well, I think, um, you know, one of the things we haven't really touched on, we kind of touched on
2: it a little bit, but one of the things we haven't really touched on is, you know, the role modelling concept and, you know, the the parents eating foods with their little ones. And it yeah. sounds like you both do that, you know, fairly often. No, but that, not if me. If you've got a Frost Eaters, that can make all the difference in the world. Okay. You sitting and eating with them and letting them see you eating the same food you're trying to encourage them to eat, really really help because they actually learn a lot from of, of what to eat how to eat from watching and observing um, right. and whether that's siblings or whether that's parents it, it can help in the long term to encourage that kind of more of a variety consumed and um and especially at weaning you know if, lots of parents often come to me and say oh I've started weaning but my baby just isn't isn't sure what to do with foods and the main thing I'll say is rather than you sitting there feeding them sit back and feed yourself because you take the pressure off you Make it more engaging and a more, you know, fun environment. Also they will learn by observing and watching you. So that's the other thing I
0: always try and stress to parents. Do you know what is so funny because my husband was a really fussy eater, like really, really fussy. He ate about five things until he was about eighteen. Um <laughs> And and he's got better, but still now, like, the occasional, like, dish I'll do, he'll be, like, flicking out the tomatoes and putting them on my plate. And mm. um, I noticed the other day that Axel was putting his tomatoes to the side of the plate when James was doing it. And I, oh, no, I, pulled, him, no. I pulled him up on it. I was like, don't do it because he's copying. So now he, like, just does it on the sly. When Axel's not looking, he's, like, flinging the, tom- <laughs> flinging the tomato right. onto my plate. But I didn't realize, you know, even, at like, when they're slightly older, they're still, like looking oh, at yeah. you like oh daddy yeah. doesn't eat the tomatoes oh, okay neither all
2: i then mm. yeah absolutely <laughs> it's funny so you know even just you know if you with the grandparents can change what they do about food and my my you know we we're quite good at sharing foods in this house but my 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 mum would always be like no no we don't share food and then rafi would come back from, from her house and be like no no no, not sharing any food don't touch my food oh i'm not eating it you've touched it now and i'm like that's from your grandma they pick up so easily oh thank
0: Brilliant. you so much oh and, what a yeah, lovely chat I,
2: yeah oh, thank you i loved it
1: yeah and me. and I feel like you're gonna have helped so many people listening to this and also if you are oh, listening really to this exciting. and you're kind of going through any, any of the anxieties around it you are not alone I think absolutely we've all not. been there and um yeah. yeah Charlotte and uh Georgia and I just just for pure venting but Charlotte for good advice we're here for you absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> thanks Charlotte take care thank, thank you very so much love
2: this
1: bye, soon, guys. bye. so good oh, so many gosh. good tips in there
0: yeah, really, really good. I'm definitely gonna get my act together now with the breakfast. I'm not gonna be cooking like four different breakfasts now. It's yes, like it's you too eat much. it or you don't. Yeah. yeah.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. It's 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 really lovely to talk about it because I think you can get with food, it's so habitual. You yes. know, as adults, right? We know what we like, we know what we don't like, and we know what we, we like to cook and what we don't generally cook in the house. And you can get into these ruts with feeding your children. I find it really difficult to come up with creative new ways to get different types of food into them. And yeah. you know, and, and and it even bores me when I'm like, Oh, I've only got like seven meals that I know how to cook. Yes. And they yeah. get that on rotation and I'm sick of it. They must be sick of it. So it's really interesting to kind of hear different ways and new kind of tips to get them eating different things and even like, you know, in the super supermarket getting them to identify different types of fruit and veg and things like that it, yeah, yeah we, we need to hear exactly. it to mix things up
0: definitely and like different snack ideas as well like I'm okay with the meals like I do try and mix it up a bit but when it comes to snacks breakfast lunches that kind of thing yeah it's always the same stuff and yeah, yeah she has some brilliant ideas so I will definitely be um giving them a go
1: yeah you yeah yeah that Nutella's got a go
0: <laughs> Send yes. it over my way. I always say when this jar's finished, that's
1: it, there's no more. And <laughs> somehow another one always turns up. Brilliant. <laughs> love that um, listen as always we would love you to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast um, and please if you do have time to leave us a little review that would be so lovely because it just helps us spread the Made by Mamas podcast
0: yeah and if you do have an Instagram account and you follow us then please tag us when you're listening to the podcast we love seeing like who's listening and where you're listening um, yeah sometimes when we're chatting away it's hard to picture like, yeah. all of you guys
2: so we yeah. love that
0: and do drop us a message at Made by Mamas or on Zoe's own channel at Zoe Har and we'll see you on Friday.
1: We'll see you then. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact: you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig.